Welcome to A Sound Idea. I'm Dustin Kreft. This is a show where I try to inspire my guests by playing them a handful of sound effects and opening whatever conversational doors we may unlock along the way. My guest today is filmmaker and podcaster, Josh Ickes. But just take your time and just really listen and whatever whatever you, whatever comes to mind, okay? The whole point is we're trying to just like get somewhere. I don't know where, but we're trying to get there. Okay, I love this. I love it as an idea so far. I think it's very cool and I'm excited to like pump my brain for it. I'm going to go ahead and give you sound number one of six. Here we go. First of all, I would be fascinated to find out what these actually are. Sure. It's not a secret. I'll tell you what <laughs> okay. we're doing. Okay, cool. Um got they the the swish the that the whole middle part of it is made up of. Um it it's very much reminding me of uh wearing snow pants as a child. Oh, yeah. Like going out I grew up in northern Indiana, so like we had big, pretty big winters and we would get a lot of lake effect snow. Um, and that, that kind of vinyl feel of oh, that. Yeah. It, and it's very evocative right now. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember doing that as well. I had a red, it was a red jacket that mm-hmm. was like that. With some, I think maybe even matching pants, and I would get the zipper stuck almost every time. And when I would come in, I'd be so hot and couldn't get out of it, and have yes. a meltdown because I couldn't get out of the dumb thing. But I, it, you've also reminded me of a, of a thing where I, I put some action figures in this like cylinder. I had this like cylinder. It was like maybe there had been candy in it before, but it had a lid. Mm-hmm. It was like, you can get like M&Ms in it or something. I don't remember exactly what candy it was. That doesn't matter why I'm saying that. But I, I had filled it with water and I froze a Boba Fett figure in the water. Uh-huh. And I put it up in the in the snow. I made like a little snow playset just in the snow, like surrounded by this bush. So almost like it was in a forest. And I, I let, let it sit out. And over a period of days, it slowly started to melt. And it, it lasted quite a while. Uh-huh. I would go out and play with it again, and it would like be the story continuing of Boba Fett trying to escape. <laughs> you, I can't believe I thought of this just now. You've you've reminded me. Okay, so that is amazing because now um, I have two tabs open in my brain, right? Okay, yes. And the the one that you just created was I did the same thing with a Magneto figurine. Whoa! Because I had. Uh, I had Luke and I had Darth Vader, but I did not have a Han Solo. Mm. And I was trying to freeze him. So I had a Magneto, though, that I was like, I'll freeze him. He, I'm not playing with him anyway. Yeah. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the one who got frozen in my fake carbonite. And this was when we lived with my grandparents. So we lived 
actually in the room that my dad grew up in, like upstairs oh. in my grandparents' house. Um, as my parents, uh, we, we had like kind of a gap year where they were saving for, for our house that I lived in the rest of my life. And, uh, we had this tiny little half fridge, like a dorm fridge. Mm-hmm. And so I took up like the whole freezer space with my little creation in a, in a Tupperware. <laughs> and I remember trying to position his hand so they were coming out like Han yes. Solo's were coming out. And I love it. it. Yeah, it was just – and my dad was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> What is, what is this? Because he's he still to this day will refer to uh, Star Wars as Star Trek and mm. vice versa just to mess with me. At this so. point, it's got to be on purpose, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, 36 years passed when you started this gag and it's still funny to him, apparently. <laughs> Classic. Classic yes. dad's time. So the to get back to the first tab, though, it makes me think of once we had – moved out of there and we we moved to the house where I grew up for from third grade on or fourth grade on um there was a rock quarry down the street on mm. somebody's farm we lived in a, a double wide uh with an addition that we had built on sure um and but all around us were these huge tracts of farmland so um people would go you know ride four wheelers and snowmobiles around and stuff and i remember uh getting suited up in my in my snow pants with the i had bibs you know that oh, so yeah. came up here and they you snapped them on um and it took like 15 minutes to get out to take a leak and it was <laughs> the worst thing and i had um this was the early 90s late 80s early 90s I had a Chicago Bulls starter jacket. Didn't we all? Yes. That was like <laughs> my pride and joy yep. at that point in time. Um, and that's what I wore as my snow coat. And I remember walking down the street with the to my neighbor's house and getting pulled on a sled behind a snowmobile uh, around this rock quarry. And if my children did that today... Like I would, I would call the cops. I don't know yeah. what I would do. It is absolutely insane it's that our parents, about. yes, yeah. were not absolutely. on us. It's like yes. we could have crashed into farm equipment at any time, <laughs> and it would have been horrible. Oh, oh man, my God. yeah, it is funny the things that were okay then, but now is like no way, not yeah. even a chance. No, yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, amazing! We've already gone amazing places with sound one. Cool, cool. Well, do you want to go? Do you want to try sound two? Oh, okay. I'm ready. All right. Let's go with sound two. Okay. Okay, so we talked, I guess, off mic about this <laughs> just yeah. a minute ago. I, and I have a guess. I have a guess. Is it Kubrick? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Go on. Because because once again, this ties into childhood. It is uh, it's Star Wars. And oh, the I Great re- Dragon? 
No. Oh, I'm sorry. I, Go on. I'm sorry. I remember finding out, um, I don't know how, uh, early, early on about, um, that, uh, I believe it was Ben Burt who did the sound effects for Star Wars, right? Mm. Who went out and recorded all these things and then like built new sounds out of them. Yeah. Which I think is just yeah, unbelievable. Uh, the things he did. Yes. The, the ingenuity of, those the the original trilogy uh taking these trash things and putting them together to make this like fantasy epic is just still amazing to me and i remember finding out that they used the the tension lines Ah. from uh, telephone poles as the um uh blaster sounds right yeah like hitting it and it was a exactly and uh so you know, it's not surprising, maybe, that really early on, uh, my dad was a musician, so we had all this, like, musical equipment around, and he always had some kind of recording device. Um, but that was the thing that really interested me, and I remember uh, taking his used guitar strings and trying to make devices to make sounds, and sure. that kind of... That, that kind of screech of it pulling, uh, like an E string. Oh, right. Like a, yes. A big fat wound, like in the, k- 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 the, the, your, the, your skin sliding across it and that yeah. fret sort of sound. Uh, and I would make radio shows, like I would record them into tape players and stuff. And then later I tried to record them and then dub them onto VHSs while I was doing oh, editing yeah. and stuff when I was Beautiful. like middle school and high school. Um, and it definitely like there's there is a through line of my life from like we rented a um i think it was a beta player when i was super young and, and it was still vhs versus beta mm-hmm. um and got beta tapes from the library and like those are some of my first memories yeah is doing that stuff and it's like oh i mean what if my parents had I don't know, uh, uh, taking up, um, uh, clay work or woodworking right. or something like <laughs> I'd Your be in life a completely different so place different. now. Yes. yes. It was like this formative thing that just kicked me off and you can see the arc of where it's led. We you know one of my earliest memories is watching a VHS tape and uh, mm-hmm. weird, uh, not weirdly, I guess, but star Wars, it was star Wars mm-hmm. empire strikes back. I, I mean, yeah, it had to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it's one of my earliest memories that I, I don't know. It, it, it's always been very important to me and it's always struck this chord with me and everything about it. And you're like, you're saying with the sounds, it's the, the way they were constructed. I'm just, this might surprise people, but I think star Wars is good. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to out myself here, but star Wars, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, like it. I thought you were going to say it reminded you because it reminded me. Mm-hmm. Of the scene in Space Odyssey. Yes. When they uncover the monolith on the moon. Okay, yeah. I can definitely see that, too. And that moment, the first time I saw that movie, I don't know if I've ever been more unsettled and not understood what I was seeing. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That sound effect, that vocal, just that noise. Mm-hmm. All of it stacked on top of itself, and these guys are on the moon. It's just such a and the way that it's like quiet, but you have this horrible noise, and the camera follows the shoulders as they walk down into this. Oh man, so unsettling! And you see the Earth in the background, and you're like, 
something something is going on. I don't know what it is, but it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. So do you, this is my, my personal edification at this point. Uh, do you have, what was your first experience with 2001? Did, have you ever seen it on a big screen or with a great sound system? Like, have you gotten that deep in it? I haven't seen it on, like, I haven't been to a theater to, to a screen. Okay. No, I okay. would love to. Do, I mean, that's, it is on my list. I have to mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I, that movie is very dear to me. And uh, I have seen it on a nice television, obviously, mm-hmm. Blu-ray. Uh, and I have uh, listened to it with headphones, with pretty, some pretty oh, decent yeah. headphones. So I've gotten that experience, sort of. Yes. But I need the theatrical experience. I want to experience the, you know, the real deal. So... The um, the first time I saw it, my parents for Christmas um, when I was nineteen, I believe, uh, I had I got my first credit card that oh. year specifically to buy a new computer with a DVD drive. Yeah, this was when it, they first came out. Sure, and it was like still six hundred bucks or something to get just a DVD player. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'll spend a little bit more and get a whole computer. Yeah. Thinking like I'm, I'm way ahead of the curve with a CD writer <laughs> in it. I was in 1997, 98. Like this was, yeah. uh, you know, top of the line. That was fancy stuff. Yes, and my parents that Christmas bought me the the Kubrick box set, oh. the white with with the with the cardboard cases yeah. box set. Um, and the only Kubrick I had seen up until that point was The Shining and Full Metal Jacket. Oh boy! So. I spent the next two days literally going through those discs. Like, yeah. didn't didn't leave my room. Just sat there at my computer uh, with you know those uh, Alltech Lansing computer speakers. <laughs> yes, I know the ones. I exactly yep. know the ones. Yep, <laughs> and was just drawn in. And I mean, even the, the, this iMac that I have now, the screen is larger than that. <laughs> in that yeah. screen yeah. but i remember being so enveloped in 2001 especially yeah. like just sucked into that world and i rewatched it again last year and still i don't know if i know anything about it yeah, and i that, love that yeah that movie has a power over me for sure the first time i ever saw it i i immediately watched it again mm-hmm. I, I literally pressed play again once it went back to the menu and watched it a second time I that movie, yeah, big yeah. time for sure. There's been this whole, um, I mean, it's an ongoing debate or complaint rather on uh, film Twitter of people who uh, try to solve movies yeah. versus experiencing them. Yeah, and once, I mean, I let go very early on of trying to figure things out. Like I just like to let them happen. And I get to witness them. Like that's kind of the joy of it for me. And even if it's a murder mystery, I don't try to figure out who it is. Like I do the same thing. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm here. I'm here for the ride. I'm along for the ride. Yep. Yep. Give me your little show and then we'll see what happens. I recently enjoyed um, last night in Soho that way. Mm -hmm. I was not trying to figure out who was doing what was going on. I just enjoyed it. And boy, did I enjoy it. Oh, and the needle drops on that movie yeah. are amazing. Yeah. That is, I love that soundtrack. Yep. Absolutely agree. Yep. Well, let's go to sound three. Are you ready? Cool. Yeah, let's do it.
Okay. Now, this is the one that seems furthest afield <laughs> from <laughs> what I heard, but it's that the 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 linking of things in my brain, right? That's the what it's all that about. Worked. That's what this yes. whole thing's about. Um, it took me back to once again when I was around eighteen or nineteen, right after I got out of high school. I worked in factories mm-hmm. um, up in northern Indiana. There's a lot of uh, manufacturing of uh, auto parts. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, RVs and stuff like that. And one of my jobs was I worked third shift at this place making shelves for Walmart. Oh yeah, uh, and it was you know once again late nineties. Walmart was expanding all the time at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, this place was around the clock. They had something like three miles worth of buildings. Good lord. Yeah, it was. Um, Depending on where you parked, you could you could get a bike or a golf cart to take you to your station. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts, and uh, I remember like there are some places where you would work where you'd be kind of surrounded by people, um, you know, like on the assembly line, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, or uh, I did a few shifts like grinding down uh, bad welds on the shelves and like fixing that stuff. Um, But my favorite was to work on the spot welders. So it's this big, like this arms that kind of come together that I like that I'm doing big motions uh, for a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's these arms that come together and uh, there were copper and they pinch the metal between them and then arc electricity and create like a, and create a weld and there was a a popping sound yes. as they would hit and come apart like the metal would pop and move uh as they were coming apart and that very kind of mechanical thing is what that that sound led me to sure and like i'm i'm right back there like i said 18 19 years old three o'clock in the morning uh staring at this kind of dead-eyed because you're yeah. doing it for all night long. Yeah. You know, you reminded me, I, I also, I worked at Walmart uh, mm-hmm. long, many years ago, and um, I did work a similar shift. And what you reminded me of was the strangeness and weird loneliness of being in a warehouse that early in the morning, sometimes by yourself, just you would sometimes just look around and go like, what the fuck am I doing? What is this? <laughs> uh-huh. Like I would lose all sense of everything. I just, there's a, there's a weirdness. And then you go into the giant freezer and you're like, I could die in here. This is it. I could just mm-hmm. die in here. It's so cold. If I fall off this ladder, no one's coming in here for a while. That's it. I'm done. This is crazy. Right. So yeah, just, just like, yeah, you, you kind of gave me this like weird rush of, of memories of just, the strangeness of working an overnight job in a warehouse. Very weird sometimes. It's a the, mental game. I've had a lot of overnight jobs for some reason. And I don't know why. I was uh, I drove cab and I always took late shifts hmm. because you would um, you'd have to rent the cab for the day unless you owned your own. Right. Um, but if you could do it in 12 hours, like you didn't have to pay as much. So mm. I would try to like do overnights where I could get the bar crowds and 
just work 12 hours straight and then turn the car back in. Right. Otherwise, you have to take time off, but you're still paying for it, which always sucked. Um, but then after we moved back to Nashville, I was a security guard uh, at a hospital complex. And I was the only guard on the doctor's office's side. That seems so scary. Yes. <laughs> on- Talk about a mental game. That's... Just, just the thoughts you'd have. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even know. How would you, how did you deal with that? It was, uh, so this was like 2004, I think. Um, right around the time I got my first iPod, mm-hmm. which is, uh, integral to the stories because <laughs> I could yeah. not have survived without having this with me. Yeah. Um, I had a little uh, transistor radio and my iPod and the radio would get different service in and out of the, you know, wherever you were in the building. If I was in the, the foyer, um, I could pick up pretty well because it was all uh, glass and exposed. And I would sit there and listen to coast to coast AM. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> working third shift by myself. Oh, is that a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so freaky. It was, but it was so much fun. Uh, and it, you would see, I would see emergency vehicles go around the building, like whip past on the main road and be going to the other side. And you'd hear the sirens and everything. Mm. And you could occasionally hear like, uh, chaos in the ER coming through, but those doors were locked and bolted. And it was like, I was just on this, I think it was 12 floors. Um, on my side and it was so weird. And then of course I'm a horror head. So my favorite things to download at the time were, um, Stephen King audiobooks. Oh no. And I would listen to, especially his short stories. I remember listening to, um, blood and smoke, the Mm. collection. I think all the stories came out of everything's eventual, but they called the audio collection blood and smoke. And it was like two or three hours worth of stories. And I remember walking up and down these halls all by myself with this little pass that you have to tap at different points mm-hmm. and it would track where you were to make sure that you checked all the, all the doors. Right. And that was my whole night just, and you have to walk up all the flights and then up to the roof of the building and into the, um, there's like a shed on top where they keep all the machinery for the elevators. Mm-hmm. And, I would get lost on that roof because there was something about like being able to walk up there and look out over the city. Yeah. And, and it was just magical. I can see it. It was always windy. And I mean, the, the medical center is called skyline. Like you're on kind of the edge of the, of town. Um, and I would look out and it would just be like, all of the stories that would play in my brain, because I've always had this thing. Um, my mom really instilled it in me of when you see a car pass, my mom would just be like, where do you think they're going? And it would just be like this little creative improv game we would play, right? Of are they going home? Are they going to go out to dinner? If they're going to dinner, what are they having? Are they having a conversation in that car? Are they going shopping? Is one of them uh, on the way to the hospital? Like it was always this stuff. And 
having that vantage point at that time of night where you're very reflective and you're sitting there and you're looking out over a whole city full of stories. Yeah. You're totally and exposed. Yeah. Yes. And it was just like all of kind of that psychic energy of all of these possibilities would come into me. I was just like, there is so much going on here and I'll never get to know a fraction of it. But yeah. the wonder that it created in me, I always remember that. I'm legitimately jealous of that. Although not jealous of the wandering those halls. <laughs> Uh, did you, I mean, I have to ask, what, yeah, did yeah. you see anything, did you see anything crazy? I was always worried on, I think the eighth floor, there was a, um, uh, one of those suites where they would do all the, the lab samples hmm. and there was something in my brain that was f so frightened of that. And I could hear sounds in that suite yeah. And there's something because they had like blood, uh, blood and then urine drop offs. Yeah. So part of it would be like, you go and you check the locks on all these things. <laughs> and <laughs> I was just like, there's just a, like a, uh, and it looked like a, a deep freeze kind of a thing full of blood here. Yeah. Like, I'm from the Midwest. We don't, this seems very metropolitan <laughs> to me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm ready for for to get uh, dieharded by a bunch of vampires. You're gonna you're in the vampire danger zone. I was about yes. to say that. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Whoa! Like, this is a script we need to write. Dieharded by vampires. Yes. This the is Hans a great Gruber idea. Of vampires. <laughs> yeah. This is a good idea. We'll we'll cut that out and save that. Okay. Good. Uh, good. <laughs> you ready for sound four? Yeah. Let's do it. That that. By the way, I just have to say that was excellent. That was very oh, very cool. cool. That was awesome. Sweet. Okay. Sound four, let's go. It's weird. I don't know if it is the exercise of trying to like stir something within myself to these things that is bringing up like such like, okay, it is this day on a car ride. It's not just like a car ride with windows open. Sure. It is a particular day in the fall of probably, and this is once again, like 1999, uh, driving up to the dunes, uh, which are on the, the side of Lake Michigan, right? Uh, the huge uh, camping area up there. And I don't know if you know this, do you know about the dunes as a thing? Yeah, I'm aware of them. Yeah. I've never been. Okay. Um, do you know that people disappear on them? I don't know if I've heard that. No. <laughs> because uh, over the years, I mean, it's just a mountain of sand mm -hmm. and sinkholes uh, erode underneath. And yeah. then people will just be trouncing down them and fucking disappear. 
like swallowed by the earth. Yes. Mm-mm. And it, it's like getting caught in an avalanche, but it's sand and it's horrifying to me. Um, but I remember uh, I went up to the dunes to visit my girlfriend at the time. And there was, uh, this was, like I said, 98, 99. Uh, I think I had a cell phone, but it, it there was no coverage anywhere. Yeah. It was like just for emergencies type of thing at that point still. Yeah. Um, I had a pager. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I had a really cool pager with a purple case. I remember oh, that. that's badass. Uh, but I remember I went to the wrong campground. I went to one that we had been to before and they had called an audible and gone to a different one. And so once I got up there and couldn't find them, I had to call her family back at the house and her brother was like, Oh, uh, they went up here. You know, it was a whole rigmarole. So I spent the whole day driving around, um, kind of out in these forest and countryside and uh, I distinctly remember getting there and having a cookout on the beach. And that was awesome. Like, I don't think I've ever done that before in my life. I've had lots of cookouts near lakes, but sure. this kind of like big beach camping is the only time I've gotten to do that. Um, and then we watched Air Force One on a tiny TV. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> it was great. Get off my plane. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I swear that's the only time I've seen Air Force One. And I don't, I, I recently bought it on Apple Movies and I kind of don't want to watch it. You, al- you shouldn't. You almost shouldn't. Yeah. You don't want to take the magic. I, I have movies like that where I don't okay. ever want to watch them again. Truly. Yeah. Um, the magic will be gone. Or I feel like yes. it will. Maybe it won't be, but I'm scared to find out. Yeah. There's something like so endemic of, uh, a, like a late summer breeze happening uh, and being inside this tiny camper. And I remember holding her hand like off to the side kind of because of the way we were seated um, and her, her brother and her dad were also there and her dad was like drinking beer and her brother was goofing off. And it was just, it, it was summer. Like that was such a kind of a emblematic totem of what summer was. And could be basically. That's beautiful to me. It really is. Yeah. And there's something very cool about getting to hear like the waves like that as well. Like just in the background, I've always had this, um, going and like staying at a lake house or anything like that where you're exposed to that. Like you're kind of living your normal life, but also the nature is right there with you. Yeah. That's also very cool. And just, it does something to you that like it sets my brain on a different pattern. Absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, you crush sound four. Okay. Okay. What will you do with sound five? Uh, probably, probably, uh, fluff it and do, t- do terribly. Let's find out. Okay, cool.
So this goes back to the the early fascination with like sound recording and stuff like that, right? I've always, uh, when I go into a garden department, I tap on all of the the big vases and planters. <laughs> As a percussionist, I do the same damn thing. Yes, <laughs> and don't you want to hear like the the variations in tone? from one to the next and in different spots if it's big enough that you can do that kind of thing the thing i miss the most about my old job is the the drum sounds i could get from the desk uh-huh <laughs> 100%. i love that yeah I that's true that yeah um and i've always done that i've always been very uh tactile in that way hmm. like Walking through stores, I always wanted to, to touch all the, the fabrics. I remember going shopping with my mom um, and having like a book in one hand that I just got from Walden Books and going into the, um, you know, Montgomery Wards or Monkey Wards, as my dad always called Aww, it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and like I would sit next to a clothing rack while my mom was shopping and I would like, you know, hold on a, a piece of a satin dress or something that just felt interesting while I was reading my book. Um, but yeah, I think of uh, specifically like those kind of tapping things and also uh, like Coke bottles, like mm. on my grandma's porch doing that with, um, you know, the one uh, that we lived at uh, having, cause we had, glass bottles and we would return them for I don't, two cents or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and doing that and, um, had filled up with different levels of water. I remember, uh, wanting to use food coloring to change the color of the water in the bottles too, to like, I always liked having systems. So it was like, I didn't know what, what notes were what, but I'm like, this is the, the, if it's red, it's an A, and if it's blue, it's a B. And it, kind of through the Coke bottle, they it doesn't really pop that well. <laughs> and I, I don't know why I had these like crazy systems for it. Just it just looks like dirty water. Yes, basically. <laughs> and I would do that, and then you would try to like you would try to mix them and things, and it never worked out. But uh, yeah, once again, like that is an even younger memory. Like that would be. Um, going back to like probably second or third grade uh, living there. And it was that house was uh, it's been torn down now, which breaks my heart Oh, it's uh, yeah. uh, because it was from like the twenties or thirties mm. uh, and had a great arch like going into the, the dining area and really cool built-ins in the dining room with um, glass front cabinets to put all your china in. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and big, heavy door frames and everything. I remember uh, coming up with games to play because, you know, I was like in kindergarten and first grade and stuff when we, when we lived there and we're going yeah. there all the time. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing to do because I'm also an only child, which plays into a lot of these things. Same, like same. Y your imagination has to serve as all of your siblings. Or you, uh, yeah, exactly. You have to yep, have that. Yep. Uh, I would do this game where I would hold a, uh, a mirror underneath my nose and look down as if I was walking on the ceiling. 
<laughs> and so I would be like walking around the chandeliers and stepping, <laughs> stepping over the door frames to get into the next room, uh, and that kind of stuff. And it was always, it almost gives you a sense of vertigo to like, yes, it's, it's that idea of, uh, when you think you've hit the last step, but there's one more. <laughs> yeah. It's that, that same feeling, but you're doing it to yourself on purpose all I've the time. I've done that same thing, like laying on a floor anywhere and you think mm-hmm. like oh the, the ceiling is where i'm walking now and it's yep. it is weird it's very weird but i've never done it with a mirror that's such a good idea oh for a kid was, to do <laughs> yeah uh that and <laughs> this is another one of those things i don't think i've ever mentioned because it seemed so minor but um the the house that we moved to after that uh we had these panels on the walls and they were not wallpaper because it was like printed onto the drywall. Right. Oh, right. Um, because it's double wide and everything's kind of cheap. Mm-hmm. And um, the pattern on it though, if you crossed your eyes, you could do uh, a three dimensional thing. So it had this like flirtily pattern. And if you did it just right, it could pop out at you. And I would sit there on the end of my bed with headphones on, I remember listening to uh, the Beatles White Album oh, on man. headphones. It was the first CD we bought in our household was the White Album. Um, it's beautiful. And it was, I had a huge stereo, like <laughs> just this stupidly large stereo. Yeah, my parents and, had one too, yeah. Yeah, with headphones plugged in and sitting there staring at this wall. And I was doing the 12-year-old version of getting stoned and listening to the Beatles. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, you went on your first trip, friend. Yes, yep. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like trying to touch the thing in front of me because it feels like it's two feet, but it was actually four feet. Like, <laughs> This might be a stretch, but do you think the mirror thing has anything to do – do you think that ever – pointed in the direction of like a, of a camera. Do you think that was like early camera work for you somehow? I do think, I think there's something about, um, the imagery of it, Hmm. like not maybe the mirror as camera itself, but as making an image and, and wanting to be within that world. I was always fascinated by reflections and mirrors. And I remember very early on, um, looking into a mirror and thinking of it as, a camera and how could I get a camera in this position to capture it? Um, I had, uh, a, uh, you know, what, like a 110 camera is, it was a different film format than like your 35, right? Um, like we've got your normal oh, 35, yeah. of course, yeah. 35 film. A 110 is, it's kind of a flat, almost cartridge type of thing. And it would slide into the back of a flat camera. I've seen those. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it that was the one that my parents gave me when I was very young. I remember mm. all my camp pictures uh, and all my school pictures for field trips were on this camera for probably eight or nine years. Um, and I remember playing with that thing without film and trying to, like, put my my face to the viewfinder. And to this day, if I could really capture somebody looking into a mirror without trickery, it's one of those things that I'm like, I love it when it's done well in a movie. Poltergeist some... 3. <laughs> There's so many mirrors in Poltergeist 3. Unbelievable what they had to yep. go through for that movie. God. Uh, she Doesn't she crash through the mirror and end up in the pool? It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I, 
I mean, uh, Sean and I have talked about uh, Poltergeist 2, and I just have such a soft spot for all of those. Yeah, me too. Um, but there is something about trying to use the um, the lens or the surface to capture an image. Uh, and even now, there's something about a lot of what I've written lately, um, directorially, is not about like actually exploring a space. It's about exploring the the pain of the movie screen itself as a 2D image. I love the fact that you're being presented with things that are artificial, but they make you feel real emotions. Sure. I, th- I think that that is such a, I mean, yeah, it's uh, Brechtian, right? It's like the totally, you recognize the artifice and you still go along with it. But the fact that I could show you something that is entirely made up of lies and it actually makes you think about your life or touches your heart in such a way that it stirs you to action and emotion. Actual magic. Yes. And I think that that is so, uh, there's something about that that does trying to put yourself in a world of looking through the mirror, of putting yourself in an altered state, of looking through a viewfinder. There is something like, once again, that's a thread, that's a path through all those things for me of if I could, if I can create a song or a movie that speaks to somebody the same way that a uh, a black and white still photo can speak to me that's like one of my goals in life is that that automatic front-facing emotion that you can get um for me it is specifically the cover of bruce springsteen's nebraska album Mm. there's something so evocative about the midwest you like you look at that and you're like okay it's slightly abstracted. It's this view through the windshield and I'm there and I'm feeling what the vibe of this is before I ever put on the record. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I strive for is like that instant recognition of it. It hits somebody, even if it's not your own experience, you can tie it to something that you've done. And I think that, like you said, it's actual magic. It is. That's the trick that you're, everyone is trying to pull when they create things. I, I I hope you have the most success in the world. Do I want to see it? I want to see it when you do it. I want to see it. Cool. It's amazing. I'll send you the link. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I have one more sound. Um, okay. Are you prepared for sound six? I'm ready to have my hair blown back. Oh, well, <laughs> let's manage those expectations. Okay. All right. Sound six. That was epic. <laughs> Just in and of itself, that feels epic. Yeah. It, um, 
I cannot remember what the name of the program was. On public radio, there was a late night program that was all, um, and I'm sure that it's all like burnt out ex hippies making this stuff. Sure. Uh, just ambient stargazing music. Mm hmm. And, uh, occasionally you would catch something in it that you were like, Oh, Oh shit. That was awesome. That spoke to me for a moment there. Yes. But a lot of it is you just very, I think of it as like Wyndham Hill noodling kind of music. (laughs) Like, uh, but that made me think of, uh, listening to that thing. And it's weird because the, the memory that it puts in my mind is actually tied to another song, but it is um, very specifically, uh, my dad had a, a Z28 when I was growing up. Uh, he had, I mean, to this day, like he drives a motorcycle. Um, he's got, uh, does he have an F250 right now that he has like tricked out? Uh, he's always been a car guy. So growing up, he had a series of sports cars. Um, and the Z28, if you laid down the back seats, I could actually lay in the back underneath the glass canopy. Mm. And, uh, we would go up to visit my uncle Rick, who's not my real uncle, uh, but he is a real Rick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad you made the distinction. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we would go up to the campground and I think once or twice we actually stayed over. I do. Uh, I do remember staying over there when I was older, but we would drive back through the the dark countryside from the lake. Um, and I would lay in the back of this car and look up. And once again, talk about like giving yourself a, a vertigo, right? Oh, of yeah. like staring at the stars uh, and then the car turns and the whole universe shifts yeah. <laughs> with you. Uh, I remember that so well. And it is, that's what that makes me, that's the feeling that it gives me of listening to that. And, uh, but that is tied to the song in the year 2525. Oh, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was just one of those, I remember listening to that with my dad, um, on one of these trips and it was just the two of us that had gone up to the lake. Um, sometimes it would be my mom as well, but, uh, I remember coming back and like talking to him, like laying back there and like, what is this song? Like just having this philosophical (laughs) conversation with my dad. What the fuck is this? Yeah. (laughs) If man is still alive, what is it? What are they? Do they know something we don't? Yeah. (laughs) Should I be worried, dad? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And that is, um, it's funny because there's a lyric from, are you familiar with Watsky? I don't think so. It, I, maybe it's ringing a bell, but I don't know if I know anything. I'm judging by your face that you're not that <laughs> familiar. You had the like, this sounds like a thing, but yeah, I don't know. I think I've probably been told about, but probably don't okay. know. I don't think I know any. So Watsky is a rapper. Uh, he's, I mean, he's still very young, um, but he started off with like spoken word artist. Oh, cool. So he's very... Um, uh, in addition to the normal braggadocio that you get from your rap tracks, he'll also often be poetic and philosophical. I love that. And um, 
there's this suite that he has uh, that he put out as an EP um, where he like tied all of the songs together through one. They're basically one movement. Uh, and it's one of my favorite things to go to when I'm severely depressed because it talks about the possibility of not only his own suicide, but the um, uh, historical, I can't remember the, the composer's name who had tried to commit suicide um, and the rope breaks. Oh, and then 35 years later, Watsky's dad is sitting next to the stage watching this man perform. And this love of music transferred down to Watsky and informed his life. So if this man had been successful 35 years before he was ever born, he might not be in the position he's in. Right, exactly. And um, the there's a line uh, early on when he asks his dad about what happens when we die and his dad wonders, uh, how do I get this emo fucking nine-year-old? Which is, <laughs> I'm yeah. always like, that, that's great. Uh, <laughs> and so it goes from that to the scene of the possible suicide of um, when the rope breaks, that knots don't have to stay so tight. Like that's what you need to remember in your life is knots aren't made to stay so tight oh, all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then the ending is this reflection of him himself and like his own career and where he's been the past few years um, up until, you know, his mid twenties or whatever. But I think very realistic in talking about he's chased fame and he's chased follower numbers and he's chased getting bigger and bigger uh, play counts on his tracks. And that none of that has meant as much as the time he spends, he spent with his parents starting out getting to do these things and sharing the love of the art form. Right. And um, it's, for me, when I listen to that, I think of those kinds of conversations with my own parents. And then, of course, it's inevitable at a certain point, if you have children, that you build those bridges going forward as well with your own kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm having a lot of those kind of conversations with my my middle daughter right now. Um, I mean, she's 16 and she has a job and she's wondering uh, what to do after next year of high school with her life and she goes to an art college and she takes photographs on film and does like all this creative stuff. And, you know, you always just want better for them than you have for yourself. Like that's absolutely it's it's cheesy, but it is absolutely the truth. And it's so once again, you see these threads um, when you get reflective, especially of the influences you're in your own life and the ones you hope to have. And then you see them start to play out in your children and it can be very fulfilling, but also I'm having this feeling of like, I'm only 42. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm still pretty close. I feel like I'm very close to the start of my journeys in a lot of ways. Yeah. And there's still a lot left to do. Um, and I guess like, I don't want it to be the year 25, 25. If man is still alive, like I still have shit to do. <laughs> That's beautiful. You tied it up. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is. I, 
all I could say is thank you. Thank you for all that. Uh, thank you. You went there. It, it was incredible. I, you, you fully understood what this was. And you <laughs> absolutely got it. So, well, I totally, I love the concept of the show. Um, I don't know if you ever did things like this in a creative writing class. Um, I had a teacher who my, by default, I had, I had one great teacher. Hmm. She would have been my favorite teacher ever if I didn't have Donald Lonto as like this man who showed me all kinds of things in life, not just in English. Sure. Um, but my creative writing teacher, um, she did this great exercise where she would, she passed around uh, paper bags and they had uh, like smell or touch written on them. And you would either reach inside and feel it without looking or you would smell whatever kind of aromas she had put inside and then do a creative writing exercise based on what that was. Sure. Yeah. I've never done that, but like, it's very similar to what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's also a neat concept. I've no, I've never done that. Um, really interesting though. Um, yeah. Yeah. But well, maybe next time there'll be some smells. <laughs> oh, if we could, uh, some Brunswick stew, please. I would, <laughs> You I would it. love the smell of a nice stew wafting <laughs> through my house. You got it. <laughs> well, uh, what, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you need to talk about? Tell people about? Uh, the, the two things that I have ongoing would be uh, my own podcast with our mutual friend, Sean, uh, called Nashville CA. It is a bi-weekly, bi-movie podcast by two dudes uh, who live practically bi-coastally. Uh, and that's... It is one of the pleasures of the last like year and a half has been, of course, getting to know you and all of the other trustees sure. uh, through through our Discord server. Um, but getting to know Sean and having that to look forward to, uh, you know, every eight or nine days when we podcast, it's yeah. that's just been great. He's a great guy, and it's a great show. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and the other thing would be my professional work right now for Universal Music Group. I run the site Sounds Like Nashville. So if anybody likes country music or things about Nashville in general, we have restaurant reviews, uh, hotel reviews if you're coming to the city. Um, we do a lot of album reviews, artist interviews, uh, a lot of spot news about like what's going on in the industry. Uh, and we're doing a lot of exciting things with it, uh, especially lately. I've started movie reviews there as well for things that are playing locally. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so it is really fun. And it's just, uh, I don't get to do as many live shows as I would like these days <laughs> <laughs> with lockdown. There was about six weeks where I got to go to a bunch of concerts and do sure. reviews, but now we're kind of back to everything being virtual. So, uh, but please check it out when you're stuck at home and listen to our playlists and whatnot. Please support it. It sounds yeah. great. I'll check it Thank out you. for sure. Cool. <sighs> Thanks again for coming. Uh, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I really yes. appreciate it. 